Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in. Trevor Lane here for LakersNation.com, your home for everything. Lakers, not the start that we wanted. Lakers fall to the Phoenix Suns. They they lose this one, the opener of the series. Ah, the, the playoffs started, but nobody told the Lakers. Certainly a lackluster performance. We're going to break it all down, talk you through it. We're going to get through the good which won't take too long. And then we're going to get to the bad and we're going to talk about everything that the Lakers can do to change for the next game coming up game two. Again, not the way you want to see the Lakers start, but I will say they dropped game one last year as well in two different series and still managed to win the whole thing. So again, this doesn't mean the sky is falling, but this was not a great start for sure. Joining me today is Ron Gutterman and Chris, the masterpiece masters. How are you guys holding up? Uh, not, not particularly great. I mean, this was not the ideal start to the playoffs. Um, I, they definitely, they lost last year in game one, two times in a row, but, uh, it, it felt a little different this time, a little bit more, um, more went wrong today than I anticipated. Uh, but you know, there, there's some good stuff to break down and there's a lot of bad to break down too. Uh, yeah, I kind of echo what Ron's saying. You know, I keep telling myself again, going back to what you guys are saying and last year, you know, LeBron James, uh, you know, first game is always a feel out game, but, uh, still it's disappointing. Obviously we're all a little disappointed. I mean, I know I'm disappointed because of, you know, like yesterday the Clippers lost and I was so happy that they opened <laughs> right. their series with a loss and you counter that to today and it's like, yeah, it might be a feel-out game, but you still don't want your team to lose the first game of the opening round of the playoffs. You want to start on a good uh, on a good note. You want to get a win, but, uh, you know, still a lot of basketball to be played, right? Well, Okay, so here's the thing, and, and we were talking about this a little bit right before we came on the air. LeBron had that statement all about how it can't be a feel-out game. We can't approach it that way. We've got to go out there with fire. We've got to go out there and get the win. And, Ron, you and I were talking about this. Will they actually do it? Because what we've seen time and time again this season is they come out and they say all the right things, and then when they step on the floor, they don't do it. How many times did Anthony Davis say we have to play desperate towards the end of the season before they finally kicked it in right at the end? So all the talk about we can't approach this as a feel-out game, we kind of wonder, will they still do that? And it appears that the talk was just that, and their actions showed that it was more of a feel-out game for them. Yeah, I mean, look, if they had not said anything, come out and played this exact same game, I would have said, feel out game, let's just wait and see what happens in game two. This is what LeBron James has always done in his career. Mm -hmm. But if you are going to put yourself out there, no one's forcing anyone on the Lakers to say this. If you were going to put yourself out there and say, this is not a feel out game, we have to take this seriously, we have to treat it like any other game, we cannot go out there and and just mess around and and use it as a feel-out game, if you're going to volunteer all of that information, you can't then do that. So I don't mind feel-out games, but I do mind saying that you're going to take it seriously and then not. Yeah, exactly, exactly. If you're you're not going to consider this a feel-out game, then prove it, right? Show it on the floor, just like, right, Dennis Schroeder, right? Same idea. Dennis Schroeder in terms of the contract. Okay, hey, if you're going to turn down... $84 $84 million, cool. Then you've got to prove that you're worth more, right? Same thing here. If you're going to come out and say, we're not going to approach this as a feel-out game, then you can't step on the floor and play it like it's a feel-out game. Then people are going to say, hey, well, then what, what was all you're, you're talking about when clearly you approached it as a feel-out game? And, I, and again, we've got plenty of time to talk about the negatives from this one. In fact, our, our chat has crashed a couple of times already because of all the comments flying in and a lot of them negative, but let's, I guess let's start off with, with one positive. Let's just jump into the next man up award because I know we've got a lot of negative to get into today. Let's start a little bit on the positive and talk about the next man up. Uh, Ron, I'll go to you first. Who do you have as your next man up tonight? The best non LeBron or Anthony Davis. Oh my gosh, Anthony Davis. That's a whole other discussion we have to have. But the best non-LeBron or Anthony Davis player on the floor in your mind, Ron, was who? Yeah, I mean, yeah, we'll get into Anthony Davis. <laughs> that's that's it's a whole separate issue. Um, I'm going with Alex Caruso um, pretty comfortably for me. I, he's He is really the only one right now on the entire team, including LeBron James and Anthony Davis. He's the only one that I feel confident every single night is going to give 100% effort. Um 
you know, KCP had some decent moments, but he missed a lot of shots. Montrezl Harrell was good in the minutes he played. But, man, Alex Caruso is the only one that just gives 100% heart all the time, offensively and defensively. Um, I mean, he needs to be playing 24 minutes a night, not enough. He needs he needs minimum 30, 35 minutes a night in the playoffs. Uh, he's the only if he's going to be the only one playing at this level. Chris, you agree or are you going Ooh. elsewhere? Uh, well, you know, I was actually going to go Caruso too. Just you know, I thought about the, there was that one play, uh, and there's not to say that this was the only reason. But do you guys remember that play where Caruso took two charges in a row, yeah. and then I think he even scored a bat? I don't know. I just love that whole uh, three possessions there, especially on um, Caruso. But I, I don't. You know, KCP had a rough night shooting, so I can't really put him on my list for that. Um, you know, Dennis Schroeder went five for seven and one two for two from the three-point line. I mean, tonight's just a tough night to pick an X-man up. It's one of those kind of nights. But I also like to mention by Ron of Trez. Um, again, I would go Caruso, too. I mean, if I was – if I'm forcing myself to go different, I would lean uh, Trez uh, also. But uh, what do you think? Um, no, I, I like where your where your head is at for both of you guys in terms of leaning towards Caruso because if you look at the stat sheet, you look at the stat sheet, you could find guys who had better games production wise than than Caruso did. Caruso, uh, four of nine shooting, two of four from three, which is great, but ten points, zeros across the rest of the stat sheet. No rebounds, no assists, no steals, no blocks, nothing else out, nothing else going on there. He was one of the few guys that was in positive in terms of plus minus. He was a plus one. But what was it the Lakers were lacking? We can get into the X's and O's. We can get into the rotations. We can get into a lot of things. But I think they lack that kind of Alex Caruso X factor tonight. That that just that hustle. That I'm not going to let you beat me mentality. We didn't see that from the Lakers. I think that if every player played this game with a Caruso mentality, the Lakers are winning Game One because they would have showed up for Game One. And so I do think that that Alex Caruso is a good pick because he stood out today. And that's not a good sign for the rest of the team, but he stood out in terms of the energy and the effort, the hustle plays that we saw from him. So I will also go with Caruso. I get that. I guess that makes it unanimous. Caruso gets the next man up award. Uh, I guess let, let's get into this. The question was, and this is coming from a lot of people right now. I'm seeing in our chat, by the way, welcome in everybody coming in from YouTube, Facebook, Periscope, all over the place. If you're listening to the podcast version of this on Apple podcast, Make sure that you uh, do rate, review, and subscribe. The Fairly Odd Couple on you on YouTube, the Super Chat, thank you, said, we can be disappointed, but we can't panic yet. It was an early game. Is that what it is? It was just an early afternoon game, and so that, that kind of made it. Weird, <laughs> weird things do happen in those games, but I'm not going to let the Lakers off the hook and for that one there. Um, let's see here, but I'm seeing a lot of people saying, why was Marc Gasol not playing? What's going on there? So the Drummond question, which links into the Anthony Davis question, which links into the rest of the center rotation. We talk about Montrezl Harrell, we talk about Marcus Gasol. But since I'm seeing his name pop up so much, let's let's jump in there to start. Marcus Gasol, zero minutes, DNP, coach's decision. A lot of fans on Twitter clamoring for him to get minutes. Why did we not see him out there tonight? What are your What are your thoughts, guys? Yeah, I mean, this is another one of those things where I'm I'm very disappointed in this time in Frank Vogel for saying something and then not following through on what you said. He made it very clear throughout this week that he was going to use all of his centers. He was going to he was going to try everything. He was going to the the exact quote he said was I'm going to try everything when it comes to the center position. He's trying everything. So if you are playing in game 1, you are playing Drummond and you are playing Trez and you are playing AD at the five and none of it seems to be working that well. Why not try your fourth center who is Marcus all who's a championship center, a very good player. And he gives you something different than Trez and Drummond. If, if something on the floor is not working and the Lakers were losing the entire game. So something wasn't working. Why not at least give it a try? If it fails, you were losing anyway. So why not give it a try? I I got to say one thing, though. So I don't know how you guys feel uh-huh. about it, but, I mean, I don't think it's uh, beyond Frank Vogel to make that kind of adjustment, even in this series, eventually. If he's, if, if let's say we just get more games like we did tonight, like, I, I don't think Frank Vogel is the type of coach, and I think we all know that. He's not the kind of coach to just stick to uh, 
whatever the game plan is and not adjust as a game or even a series goes on. But um, I think I remember we were, you know, in our text thread, I think, I don't know if that was you, Trev, or Matt, or somebody talking about if we don't start the second half with AD at center, we riot. Uh, what do you guys think the right balance of that in like after watching a game like this? I mean, because that's the million dollar question, right? Especially in the playoffs, it's, it's for this Laker team is okay. So AD is obviously we're best when AD is at center, but then, you know, what does that mean? You know, how do you split the minutes with um, Gasol and uh, Drummond and all of that? I don't know what today was all about, honestly, in terms of Drummond and, and his minutes. I don't know if that was Frank Vogel proving a point weird time to do that. So I don't think that's the case. Why stick with Andre Drummond on the floor? I don't understand it. Here's the, here's the thing though, too. Like we tend to, when I see this on, on social media, I see it on Twitter a lot. If things are going poorly for the Lakers, we tend to just go, Oh, Drummond, it's his fault, right? All the, all the blame goes towards, towards him. And that's not necessarily it. There's a lot of factors here. Drummond was not playing well in terms of defensively, in terms of his, his coverages and pick and roll. We knew going in, uh, Gerald Bourget, who who covers the Suns, uh, it was in the building. Right? We we talked a few days ago about what the Suns' game plan was going to be. He says the Suns' game plan is going to be to attack Andre Drummond. They're going to put him in pick and roll, and if they burn him, then Drummond will come off the court. And if they don't, then that's going to be a big win for the Lakers. Well, they burned him, and Drummond didn't come off the court. He stayed on. I still think Drummond is going to be useful in specific matchups, but it was interesting how long Frank Vogel stood stuck with Drummond at the five and not Anthony Davis, which was interesting. Now that to loop that back into the Gasol question though, I think the reason why you don't go to Gasol is with Chris Paul on the floor. If Gasol gets put in pick and roll and has to switch onto Chris Paul, he's toast, right? There, he's, he's, he is less able to stay in front of a guard than Andre Drummond is. And so that's the, the downside to putting out Gasol. But I do agree with you, Ron, that at, at a certain point, you're losing the game anyway, and you might as well try it and find out if maybe you stumble upon something. Maybe he gives you a shot in the arm. So that's where it made sense. When Chris Paul was out of the game, then I could see going in and trying Marcus Gasol. I do think he should have been given some minutes out there, and hopefully that's a change that will happen next time. You know, last year in the playoffs, Vogel's you know, MO was after game one, then he makes adjustments. In game one, he didn't make so many. And it's frustrating, and it was frustrating today to see adjustments not being made in game one. But we got to keep our fingers crossed and hope that by game two, the Lakers' game plan will look very different. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm definitely I'm hopeful for adjustments. I Again, I, I still i am not saying Frank Vogel is a bad coach and all that stuff. I, he is still a great coach. I believe he will make adjustments. I'm just disappointed that in a game in which you were losing the entire time, you didn't try everything. You stuck to a game plan that wasn't working for 48 consecutive minutes. And I would have liked to see, even if it's just five minutes, just give us something that shows you're not just accepting a game one loss. There's no reason to just accept a game one loss. Try something. Exactly. Exactly. That, that's it. Exactly. He just just stuck with what clearly wasn't working. Uh, the definition of sanity, right? Doing something over and over and over again, you're, and you're expecting a different result. Um, Steven Pedroza from YouTube, the Super Chat, will Staples Center be electric? I feel like that was a key to the Suns' success today. Uh, yeah, so here's here's the other part of this, right? Mentally, we talked about this, and I do want to work back to the center conversation, but the mental side of this. I think we need to understand the mindset of Suns fans versus the mindset of Lakers fans. So the Suns... This is everything, right? This is, not only is it a team that hadn't been to the playoffs in 11 years, the fact that they're playing the Lakers is math. From the Lakers side, we don't care. We don't care that the opponent is the Suns. That means nothing. That means zero to Lakers fans. We don't care about the Suns, frankly. Like, they they don't draw any kind of negative emotion from most Lakers fans, right? Because the, the Suns haven't been this this thorn in the Lakers side for years or anything like that. Like right now, the only teams that get real emotion out of Lakers fans is are the Celtics because of course, and the Clippers because of the cross town thing, the Suns, it's nothing right to the Suns though. The Lakers are their biggest, most hated rival. There's a lot of people who live in Arizona that hate that people from California are coming over and living in, in Arizona. So there's that element to it too. 
So there's a lot wrapped <laughs> up here in this dynamic from the Sun side, why they're going to have a lot of energy in that crowd. I don't think the Staples crowd will match that, but I do think there is going to be obviously a lot more positive energy towards the Lakers in the building when they're playing at home. Yeah, well, we better we better hope so. Yeah, right? like how many how many fans did Phoenix have? Sorry to cut you off, Ryan. How many fans did Phoenix have tonight? I believe it was eleven thousand is the number I saw. Because yeah, it sounded like a lot of energy, but I mean, you know, the Lakers kind of need it, and I've seen a lot of people in our chat kind of reference this, and it's true, man. Uh, you know, and I know we we haven't had our lineup, and guys have been out, and all of that, but I mean, you know, the Lakers have looked rusty and lethargic for a while, even in that game we won against Golden State. Let's think about that game, half, man. Yeah, like if we didn't have a good second half, or let's even just narrow it down to this: if LeBron didn't hit that three. In the fourth quarter, man, like, you know, we might even be uh, in a different place in the brackets here. You know what I mean? We might have went on the play uh, Memphis uh, in the playing game. But um, I don't know, man. I think, you know, hopefully the Lakers can kind of collectively wake up at a certain point and uh, rise to the level of their competition. And I think uh, part of it is everything you just referred to, Trev, about this is everything for Phoenix. They haven't been in the playoffs for 11 years. Also, the added thing of they're playing the world champions. They have the chance to knock out the defending world champions in the first round. So I think their mindset is completely different from ours in this, and and we really kind of need to to match everything that they're feeling and everything we just kind of referenced to. Uh, Justin Hartford from YouTube with a, a super chat. I thought Drummond handled defense well at the point of attack. AD was getting drawn out with double picks. Uh, and Aiden had the boards all to himself. Yeah, on the look, Drummond is actually decent in terms of moving his feet and staying in front of his man. He struggles guarding the pick and roll, though, and that's where the Suns were able to exploit him. But here's here's my thing, though, is that the whole advantage to playing Andre Drummond is that you should just dominate the boards. Right, You should dominate the boards, and Aiton shouldn't really be able to get going. You should have pretty good defense on Aiton. Well, what happened tonight? The Lakers had 10 offensive rebounds. The Tiny Suns had 16. 16 offensive rebounds. They dominated the Lakers on the offensive glass. Because of the double team, right? That's because of the double team, though, right? That's part of it. But 47 rebounds overall for the Suns, 33 for the Lakers. So the Suns dominate the glass. And then, on top of that... Aiton goes for 21 and 16 rebounds. There's If you're not going to dominate, and I mean you should absolutely crush this team on the glass. And if you can't do that, then why have Drummond on the floor if you're not going to have that advantage out there? Which says that either you moved Anthony Davis to the five or you try somebody else. You try Gasol, you try Montrez Harrell, something like that. So I do think Frank Vogel will make adjustments. But it was certainly, and I, I'm with you, Lakers fans, who were very, very frustrated to not see that adjustment made in-game. And again, this is not all Drummond is a bad player type thing, right? It's not all his fault. It's that there should have been some adjustments made. Did he make mistakes? Yes, he did. But obviously it wasn't working, and changes needed to be made a lot quicker. Yeah, I think DeAndre Ayton having 16 rebounds while Andre Drummond and Anthony Davis combined had 16 rebounds, that's a huge problem. Um, Drummond, in order to be a viable person in this series, he needs to be matching DeAndre Ayton on the boards somewhat. You know, if if DeAndre Ayton gets 16, Andre Drummond needs like 13 plus. You you need to be matching what DeAndre Ayton's doing in order to be a viable person in the series. If you're not going to do that, and he really needs to get off the floor quicker. And, he, you know, he only played 19 minutes tonight, which is it, it felt like a lot more in the moment. But, I mean, he played 10 consecutive minutes in a third quarter in which the Lakers lost 28 to 23. That's a problem. That can't happen. That he can never play a stretch of 10 consecutive minutes the rest of the playoffs. Like, I don't even care who the matchup is. That, can't happen anymore. That was maddening. That was maddening. To come out of halftime, I'm thinking, okay, the Lakers were getting crushed right in the first half um i'm okay they're gonna make adjustments at halftime they come out of halftime same rotation same group on the floor same same basic concepts in terms of how they were defending the suns the different things that they were they were doing out there i mean look there were some differences but for the most part doing the same thing and then to stick with it that long that pretty much shot them in the foot there was there was hardly a chance they needed to make a push and get to within single digits in the third 
And they didn't do that. And a part of that is Vogel didn't make the adjustment, didn't change anything, stuck with what was not working. And again, you know, Vogel in his post-game comments, I'm already seeing on Twitter, is talking about how they're going to look for different ways to get Anthony Davis going and, and all of that. But um, today was was disappointing. You know, again, Vogel's not a bad coach. But today, I think some, if we're dividing up the blame pie, there's certainly a fairly decent slice goes to Frank Vogel in this one. Yeah, yeah I mean... I think- we we really gotta have faith though that Vogel will make uh, sure. adjustments. I mean, Absolutely he showed do. us, he showed us, and, and but and one thing I you know I just want to throw this out here. I know Ron, you want to make a point on this, but uh, we can't go through the show without referencing that weird stat uh, going into um, halftime in the third quarter of seventeen free throws for the Lakers to zero for Phoenix, and uh, the Lakers were still you know down. That was just such an odd number. But uh, go ahead, Ron. <laughs> I mean, off of that, the the Lakers are going to have a significant free throw advantage in this series just because of the lack of the lack of um, attacking the paint that the Suns do as a team. It's a very jump shot heavy team, so they're they're not going to shoot a lot of free throws. But yeah, I mean, look, w- the thing that upset me most about this Drummond thing is the fact that Vogel, the Lakers took three timeouts in the third quarter, and in none of the three timeouts. Did they change the lineup? They they took a timeout with a group of five on the floor, and then they came out of the timeout with that same group of five. Well, if you didn't notice, the reason you're calling all those timeouts is because you're losing by a lot. So maybe, just maybe, try a different person there. Yeah, and which which would make sense, right? Switch it up. Try something else because it's hey. not, they just kept digging the hole deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper, and you could see where they kind of let down. At one point, there were a few times where you saw Schroeder yelling at, at Drummond for not being in the right spot again. Drummond came in late. He's already got some issues defensively, comes in late to the team. I, I'm not surprised that he struggled, but that's fine. That's fine. If he's struggling, he's struggling. You've got all those options so you can use them. I'll also say this, just to jump to somebody else. Montrez Harrell. I thought he was he was good, relatively good, but that you got to have a rule with him. And the rule for this series has to be, if there's no Aiton on the floor, you can play Trez. If if Aiton is on the floor, Trez cannot play. I think think that it's really as simple as that. Montrez Harrell can play in the game as long as Aiton is not on the floor. If Aiton is on the floor and Trez is expected to defend him, which he's going to be the five, that's not going to work. So I think if you play with that rule, you can get some decent production out of Trez. At first, Trez came on, Aiton was on the floor. It was really, really bad. As soon as Aiton went off, Trez started being able to find some seams, find some openings, get some buckets. I thought he was objectively pretty good. He also had a pretty sweet, Chris, I thought he was going for a wrestling move here. I was waiting. I thought he was just <laughs> going to spear Cameron Payne on that in that scuffle. <laughs> it was coming. It looked like he was setting up for it. And then at the last second, he held back. I think that kept him in the game. But um, but he did run over to kind of, you know, stick up for Alex Caruso. So I do think Montrez Harrell is useful in this series whenever Aiton is not on the floor. Hey, wouldn't would that be awesome if he, like, he ran over and, like, Bill Goldberg speared uh, campaign? <laughs> I thought it was I thought it was about to happen. Live live action, like, in my mind, that was what was going to happen. And, and I was more surprised than anything else when he kind of held up and, and kept Cameron Payne from hitting the ground because it looked like he was just going to go right through. But we've seen, we have seen um, DeAndre Aiden uh, really kind of take it to Trez, even in the regular season. So I don't think that's any surprise. And I think, uh, was that in the first quarter, by the way, Trev? Uh, I don't recall if it was first or second. I it was, it's all red okay. to me at this point. Cause I remember you got in my text. I had missed the like first eight minutes of the game because mm-hmm. I had, Philly on and had lost track. So uh, I was pretty devastated about that. part. <laughs> uh, Go ahead, Ron. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, there's some things, there's some interesting things and we can get into it a little bit more later, but I, I went through and I found the, uh, the box score from last year's game one against Portland. And there are a shocking number of parallels between that game and this one. Okay. Um, so if, if we're going through it here, uh, so 99-90 this one. Last year it was 100-93, to so a really bad offensive game. The Lakers shot uh, 
16% from three and 65% from the free throw line last year. And it was like 26-60 in this one. So also really bad. Uh, Damian Lillard had 34 points. Devin Booker tonight had 34 points. Um, and JaVale McGee and Dwight Howard were both really bad. And Andre Drummond, really bad. And the Lakers did not adjust out of that last year. So a lot of parallels going between last year's game one and this year's game one. It's just, it is a little different because of where the Lakers are in the, in the seating, um, the team that they're playing. Uh, there's a lot of differences, but but there is some parallel that may say, hey, Frank Vogel knows. He knows what happened today. Yeah, I mean, when you think about that, I think back to that game. I seem to remember the Blazers just packing the paint like crazy and daring the Lakers to beat them with their shooting. And that's kind of what we saw today from the Suns. I mean, you look at the Lakers shooting percentages, 44% from the field, 27% from three, 61% from the line. You can't win that way. You just, you can't. Now, 14 turnovers is not as bad as we've seen in some games. Um, didn't dominate on the offensive glass. But but yeah, you if you shoot that poorly and you're playing up against a team that wants to pack the paint against you, which is just what we saw in game one against Portland, you're in trouble. So you've got to find better looks. But I don't want to, I don't want to just not discuss this. I think there's something we need to get into here. And it kind of plays off of the Drummond thing. It plays off of Gasol and Trez and, and all of that. Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis tonight, five for 16 shooting, seven rebounds, two assists, three blocks, 13 points, a team low, minus 18. DeAndre Ayton was better than Anthony Davis tonight. DeAndre Ayton was better than Anthony Davis. DeAndre Ayton is not a bad player, but in no point should he ever be better than Anthony Davis. You've played 100 times. Anthony Davis should be better than DeAndre Ayton 100 times. That should never happen. So what's going on with Anthony Davis? What happened today? And I can't say that this is all, oh, blame it on Drummond because that is part of the discussion. People say, oh, Anthony Davis isn't good because Drummond's not on the floor. No, we can't let AD off the hook and just say, oh, well, it's Dr- it's because Drummond's out there. That's why he's not playing well. There was more to this than that. I didn't even like the body language from Davis today. So what did what was your takeaway with Anthony Davis, why did he look so unprepared for a playoff game? Yeah, so actually, this is another thing I wanted to get into from last year's game yeah. one. to the, Anthony Davis last year in the game one, he did have 28 points and 11 rebounds. However, he shot eight for 24 from the field and was a game and was a game low minus 20. While Yusuf Nurkic, okay. the Trailblazers starting center last year, had 16 points and 15 rebounds. So he too dominated on the boards against Davis in game one. So Anthony Davis may just hate game ones. I don't know <laughs> what the deal is, but whatever whatever the deal is, it, it was really, really bad. Um, it, it was not a good performance for him. I think uh, we said it before we came on, but probably a bottom five Anthony Davis performance in a Lakers uniform. Yeah. Um, he looked disengaged. He looked uh, weak. He was shooting a lot of fadeaways for absolutely no reason. Um, DeAndre Ayton had him in a body bag the whole game. Just really, really bad. And, yeah, Chris, I'd be interested to hear how you think, why you think that could have possibly happened. Well, I don't, you know, I feel like this is just kind of deja vu because everything you've just talked about going back to the last postseason, it, it, it feels right. You know what I mean? Like, that's why I don't feel... When we talk about everything about today's game, I don't feel too stressed out deep inside just because, you know, again, this does feel a little bit like deja vu on a lot of uh, different levels. But um, I will say this just in terms of the whole Lakers. I mean, if we have a game, two that replicates anything that looks like this, yeah, there'll be a little more uh, cause for concern. And, and if we don't see adjustments. But um, I think, Ron, were you were, were you discussing in particular AD? Is that what it is? Yeah, yeah, AD versus uh, Yusuf Nurkic last year in game one. That was the comparison I was making. So he also struggled last year to shoot the ball. He struggled. He was a team low minus 20. Uh, So a lot of similarities between that. I think AD along with Frank Vogel, I think the whole team is going to get better as this goes on. You know what I mean? The adjustments will be made. I mean, honestly, AD hasn't looked 
I don't feel like we've seen that kind of monstrous dominating AD in a while. Outside of AD has the most wicked closeout on the arc of any big man in the business. So every time we saw that tonight too, which was beautiful on Crowder, that one where that block where he got the ball, kept it in play, that was beautiful. But, you know, I just feel like, you know, there were some games last season or AD's first season where we saw him get to the line, like, what was it, like over 20 times and stuff like that. And I I feel like we haven't seen that version of AD in a while. And play picks up as we go on here and maybe as you said maybe he just hates game once it's possible <laughs> maybe maybe that's it but you know what he he did blow up against the suns last time around he was great against what do you have 41 42 points something like that last yep. time the lakers played the suns now again the suns the suns threw a curveball at the lakers in the last time they, they they played they didn't run their normal stuff but still anthony davis was dominant that game he played this game like he kind of started this game as though he wasn't sure that he could play at that level or something. He didn't he certainly didn't come out with the kind of like, yeah, I already I already dominated you kind of fire that you would expect out of Anthony Davis. You'd think that he would come out in this game hungry and just ready to go feast against a Suns team that already just got destroyed by him just a few weeks ago. And we didn't see that. Now, again, hopefully that changes. Frank Vogel says they got to get Anthony Davis going, and they're going to try to figure out some things in order to get him the ball in better spots. But this was not a good performance from Anthony Davis, period. Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely a lot that he needs to work on before game two. And again, Anthony Davis, much like Frank Vogel, <laughs> is one of those guys where I trust him to do that because he's shown that he can do that. Um but yeah, game two is going to be a massive, massive game for this Lakers team because they have a ton to prove. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I've got – I do want to talk about game two and what the Lakers need to do in order to get things on track. But I guess before we do that, since we're still in negative land here, let's get into the master lock of the night because there's another part of this game that we need to talk about. So here we go. Master lock of the night. Chat coming in from YouTube, Facebook, Periscope. Fire it off. What – play what person from this game do you think should get put in chris masters finishing hold let's go We have once again the master lock of the night has crashed the chat. I love it, <laughs> Chris. Who is your master lock going to tonight or this afternoon? I guess. Oh I should say. my god, I'm I'm gonna love I love reading the chat right around this point. But let's just get right to Do the it. point of this. I think this master lock is gonna be uh, universally agreed upon uh, tonight. LeBron James shooting a free throw, and Chris Paul comes in before the shot even hits the rim, undercuts LeBron, and then I don't know if it was Ron or Matt or who said it in our uh, text thread, but shades of Kelly Olenek and Kevin Love, the whole uh, arm, elbow, tongue thing. Mm -hmm. Man, that was just, uh, that was upsetting. And it was weird, too, because we know CP3 is one of LeBron's buddies, the banana boat crew, all of that stuff. But, man, I, I just, I even wrote it in my notes here, man. Like the only thing worse than an injury is these potential uh, these potential injuries. And when LeBron went down right there, man, my my uh, my stomach got sick, my heart sank, like all of that stuff. And it was it feels like the second or third time just this week we remember when LeBron went down and Draymond hit him and he looked like he was crying. I mean that nearly almost gave me a heart attack. So um, tonight, my personal master lock of the night, and I'm sure a lot of uh, the chat and maybe even you guys as well is. Chris Paul, but uh, there are some honorable mentions. Go ahead, gentlemen. Yeah, I mean Chris Paul. Chris Paul's definitely the pick here. That was uh, that was quite the play. Um, I mean, you could also go Cameron Payne. That same sequence, yep. he got ejected on that very same play for uh, I believe it was shoving Alex Caruso to the ground and then um, throwing a ball at him. Yeah, and then throwing the ball <laughs> at him afterwards. <laughs> so th- there's definitely that too, which. Questionable choices by by campaign. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think Chris Paul's got to be the option here. Um, if 
if I could do uh, anything else, you know, I, I think I think Anthony Davis deser- deserves a bit of a shout out here. He was, he was horrible in a game that required him to be not horrible. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, so I think those are your main two choices. Well, with campaign, obviously, so three three choices. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I agree with both you guys, and I'm not even going to put Cameron Payne in it because Cameron Payne got hit with a double technical and kicked out of the game. Yeah, um, and I get why because there were two actions. Uh, that that he took, but still, I'm not I'm not going to go with Cameron Payne. Anthony Davis certainly is deserving tonight. Anthony Davis is deserving. No showed in Game One of an NBA playoff game, especially when the Lakers are the seven seed. So technically, they're the underdog. I know a lot of people don't see them that way, but I don't think you could afford to just give away Game One the way the Lakers did tonight. So Anthony Davis, I think, certainly deserving. But if I had to pick just one, yeah, it's Chris Paul. It's Chris Paul. Because here's the thing. We all felt bad for Chris Paul. We all felt bad for him earlier in the night when he, it was a weirdest injury, right? His head kind of gets snapped a little bit, running at his Trap, guy, yeah. And it gives him, I would imagine it was a stinger, and he's out. And we're thinking, oh, no, he's really hurt. At first, I thought, okay, his shoulder's dislocated. He could be out, out. Like, done for the series, out. Like, we were worried about Chris Paul, and I was happy when he came back in because you never want to see a player hurt, Right. And then he goes and flips the table, right? LeBron James goes up, Chris Paul backs underneath him and grabs his arm. And no, it's not like he locked him in an arm bar or something like that, right? He didn't try to make LeBron tap out or any of that kind of stuff. But it was, if you know basketball, you know a dirty play when you see it. And that was a dirty play, okay? Yes, he could have grabbed on tighter and really yanked on that arm, but he would have been guaranteeing that he would have gotten a flagrant, could have got ejected from the game. He did it just enough to potentially hurt him. And here's the, let's say he was successful. Let's say Chris Paul was successful and he hurts LeBron. LeBron tears something in his shoulders, in his shoulder. Season's over. That's it, right? That's done. Done for the season for, for the Lakers. The entire season is over in that moment. That's what was being risked there. So it's hard to give it to anyone other than Chris Paul for what was very clearly a dirty play and a play which could have potentially ended the season for the Lakers. Yeah, and I uh, I, I saw it circulating on Twitter a little bit. Um, there was a video of when Chris Paul was with the Rockets and they played against the Lakers. Uh, Chris Paul did a similar thing to LeBron James uh, two years ago. He... Um, he he undercut LeBron and then wrapped his arm around his shoulder going up for a rebound. Uh, so this is shockingly not the first time that Chris Paul has done this exact same sequence of events. Chris Paul is known for the not so much the dirty plays, but like the the minor dirty plays where it's he like it doesn't really look like it in the right. moment. But when you put it on slow-mo, it, it looks very intentional. Um yeah. So he's he's very good at that. He does it a lot. He's very crafty about how he does it. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's just this is this is his mo. You know, I, I saw some of the commentary going into the series too with people saying Chris Paul will do whatever it takes to win. I was hoping that was a line that wouldn't get crossed. You know what I mean? Like in terms of of dirty plays, but we did see that. I was thinking we're going to get mad at Chris Paul more for flopping. Right? He's going to do little things to try to push fouls onto the Lakers and, and you know things of that nature, but grabbing a player's arm the way he did in the spot that he was in that, that that there's no place for that that needs to and again it could have been worse it could have been much worse there have been dirtier plays right there's no question but there's no room for that particularly when you're doing that to the other team's guy right that's that he again could have ended the season for the Lakers had he held on to that a bit more i wonder what lebron thinks when he sees the replay of that because i gotta be honest i mean and obviously you guys know i wrestle and stuff like that but uh you know if one of my friends did something kind of like that in the ring or was i don't know what essentially you know what i mean like it wouldn't just be all it's all good it's competition or whatever it's like dude i'm shooting a free throw the ball hasn't even hit the rim and you're all the way in front of me and not even just that you're grabbing my arm in a position where it could protect. I don't know. That's heat with me. And uh, I don't know how LeBron looks at these things or handles them, but I mean, I definitely have something to say to uh, CP about this, regardless if he's your friend or not. I mean, you know, it's again, it's one thing to compete. It's another thing doing some stuff like that. It's just, I don't know. I don't, I don't like it really. 
I really don't like it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 100, 100%. It's not something that you want to see. Definitely. All right. Let's get into some of your own questions and comments here. A lot of people still not happy about, uh, about Anthony Davis and his performance tonight. Brian Wasserman from YouTube. What did you think about Schroeder? Let's talk about Dennis Schroeder and, and what's going on with him. You know, Schroeder, I thought, uh, I listed him for our LakersNation.com article as my X factor for this series that if Schroeder could play good pesky defense on Chris Paul, if Schroeder could be uh, a, a problem on the offensive end for the Lakers, if he could get into the paint, if he could hit some shots, he could give the Lakers a really good chance to win it. Tonight, five for seven shooting. That's solid. Three assists, two steals, one block, 14 points, but four turnovers. Minus eight on the night. How do we feel about what we saw out of Dennis Schroeder today? I, I wasn't too big of a fan. Um, I didn't think he was necessarily bad, but I mean, more turnovers than assists is always a problem. Um, you can never have more turnovers than assists in a game that that basically shows that you were you were being a little too careless. You weren't you weren't putting your attention to detail into the game. Um, yeah, Dennis Schroeder. I mean, he you're right in that he is one of the main X factors in this series uh, defensively as well. I think he struggled against. Uh, less so Chris Paul because Chris Paul wasn't himself, but he struggled against the the guard tandem that is going to be extremely prevalent in the series. You need to be able to put pressure on Chris Paul and Devin Booker, and I don't think Schroeder did a very good job of that. I, I believe he can be better, but this is two games in a row where I don't think he's put his best foot forward. And I think, you know, I see a lot of the comments. It all comes back to the contract. Right. A lot of people go back to that. Whenever Schroeder doesn't play well, they say, how are you turning down $84 million and then playing like this on the floor? This is mm-hmm. it for him. Right. This isn't just, and obviously look, the, the playoffs matter for the team. He should be going all out for the team. And it, of course, but this is it for him, for his next contract. This is his chance. And we've seen it time and time again, players who struggle during the regular season and then blow up in the playoffs have a good playoff series, get a big deal. Look at what happened with Rondo. Got way more money than anybody expected him to get because playoff Rondo showed up. And the Atlanta Hawks said, we will pay for that, right? Uh, you go back far enough, you go back to like, oh gosh, was it Jerome James way back in the day with the with the Sonics who had like one good playoff series and parlayed that in a giant deal? If you play well in the playoffs, you're going to get paid, Right. So for Dennis Schroeder, there is a lot on the line right now. I didn't hate his game tonight, but I don't feel like he stood out either. Like, let's say, guys, let's say you took, and I know he might have gotten in foul trouble, but let's say you took Alex Caruso. He had four fouls, so I guess he would have fouled out. But if you would replace Schroeder with Alex Caruso, would the Lakers have been better off tonight? Uh, just outright replaced Schroeder with Caruso. I mean, yep. yeah, I have to say they would have been better tonight. I, look, Caruso's stat line is is uh, it's 10 points and a bunch of zeros, but we've said it before. Caruso played with a heart that Dennis Schroeder did not tonight. Um, I Do I believe that Schroeder can, is, should be and is better than Alex Caruso? I do believe that. But Schroeder at a certain point needs to start playing like it in the games that matter. Um so game two, again, I, I can't say it enough. Game two is going to be probably it, it, by far the most important game of the Lakers season up until this point. If they continue in the playoffs, there will be more important games later. But game two is the most important game they've played so far because if they do not come out and, and put their foot down and establish a presence in this series, I don't feel good about them being down 2-0, even if it's heading back to L.A. I, I do not feel comfortable with it at all. I I think that's an amazing point, Ron, right there. That and that's kind of what I was referring to earlier, man. It's like was well, one thing. This is the feel out game. It's one thing to play bad in game one, but you know to have another game like this that would make me a little nervous. Even though again, it's another home game for Phoenix, and they'd just be technically taking care of business. But um, to go back to the shooter thing, uh, didn't we just have a game recently? Was it the Warriors game or a game before that where Vogel opted? for Alex Caruso yep. rather than Schroeder already because Schroeder was reckless and turning the ball over and not hitting the outside shot. Didn't that just happen? Yes. Yeah. So Caruso got the minutes in the, in the fourth quarter. Um, some people are commenting that 
that Dennis Schroeder did well on defensively on Chris Paul. Well, Chris Paul was also hurting, right, with his with his shoulder. I you know, I didn't think he was terrible defensively, right? Schroeder wasn't terrible today in my mind. He just didn't like step up his game, particularly uh on either end of the floor. We just didn't see him really step into a, a larger role. But anyway, I'm sorry, Chris. Go ahead. Well, no, I just, you know, in regards to Schroeder, I just, I don't feel like I've seen as a Laker fan, and uh, I'm sure a lot of people will agree with this as well, that we just haven't had that game where Schroeder hasn't shown us, I think, as as a fan base that like, oh, he's actually worth that contract yet. It's not to say he won't, and that's kind of, I think, what you guys are referring to. He's going to have plenty of chances to do it in this postseason, but um Man, between the kind of inconsistencies, I love the way he, I love him as an athlete. I love the way he gets to the basket. But man, there's just some games, man, where he is just, he is not, uh, you know, he's not doing it offensively. He's doing, I, I forgot what you call it, Trevor, but the over optimistic passing. Yep. And, uh, you, you know, and sometimes I just feel like he, he almost has the ball too much, even though I know he's our, he's our handler. And he, I don't know. There's this, uh, Schroeder just hasn't, he hasn't won me over personally. And, I, and again, I like him, but he hasn't won me over for like, oh yeah, this is definitely the guy we should give that money to and, and all of that. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely, I don't pay the guy I saw today four years, $84 million, not even close. Um, yeah. So he'll have a chance though. Oh, he's going to have the opportunity. Have and, to, and, for sure. This, this was not the end all be all. This doesn't mean, hey, game one, he was okay. Doesn't mean that's it, right? He's got opportunities. The Lakers will have more opportunities. Speaking of which, yeah, some comments coming out from the post game. Yeah, Anthony mm-hmm. Davis. What's that? Anthony Davis, just very honest. No way we're winning a game, let alone the series, with me playing the way I played. This one is on me. I know I'll be better. I know we'll be better in game two. And LeBron agreed with him. LeBron said, when AD is AD, we're the Lakers. When AD is not AD, LeBron's saying, we're not the Lakers. That wasn't the Lakers out there today. I like it. I like, again, talk is talk. And we've seen the Lakers talk before and not back it up. So I'm not going to assume, oh, everything's fixed here. But I'm glad that AD is just being very real. It's saying, yeah, I didn't show up today. I like LeBron calling him out for it, honestly, just because, uh, you know, I don't think that uh, teammates could always do that. Not in, in, you know, in every situation, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully that's something, uh, you know, for, for LeBron to be able to call out AD openly like that, I think that is uh, actually a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> He's right. The Lakers are not the Lakers. Davis playing at his best, but you know, you, you you hope you hope he turns it around. I believe he will turn it around. But also, it's on the rest of the team to play well, even if Anthony Davis isn't playing well. I mean, look, LeBron James. He was he was pretty good. Eighteen, but eighteen points on six of thirteen shooting is okay. It's not up to LeBron standards, but it's okay. Um, I mean, look, the Lakers' leading scorer cannot have 18 points in a playoff game. That, that's just the bottom line. So, yes, AD was bad, but th- it's, it's, it's bigger than that. Everyone was not playing their best today. I, I don't think a single player had their best game today. No, no, and that, that's, that's agreed. And you know, one thing we should add to the, the Schroeder conversation, just not that I want to dive back into it, but um, Schroeder still coming off of those COVID protocols, right? He was out for two weeks, still getting his legs under him from that. So again, it's not an excuse. I think he should be pretty close to himself by now, but just something to to keep in mind. You know, when I'm yeah. when I'm looking at at the, what you're saying here about nobody really having their best game, Cantavius Caldwell Pope one for seven from three. This game changes a lot mm-hmm. if KCP is say three for seven, right? And he just is that threat from outside. Tonight was not a good KCP shooting night. That I think will change. I think he's a better shooter than what we've than what he showed tonight. You look at the the non LeBron Lakers from three. The Lakers shot twenty seven percent from three. LeBron was three for six. I'm sorry, three for seven. Anthony Davis zero for two, one for two from Schroeder, one for seven from KCP, zero for three from Wes Matthews. 
So Wes Matthews yeah. and KCP combined one for 10. One for the 10. The Brick Brothers are two. back. The Brick Brothers. Uh, 0 for 1 from Kuzma, 2 for 4 from Caruso. The Lakers will shoot better from three. However, here's the thing. The Suns will too. The, the Suns only shot 46%, 47% from the field, which is fine, but 32% from three. They are a better three-point shooting team than that. So they could have hit a few more. But I think the Lakers have got to shoot better. If you, you've got to shoot at least 35% to keep defenses honest. And so that's one of the big things I'm going to look for in game two is can they start converting? Because frankly, KCP not only missed tonight, but he missed a lot of very open looks tonight. Yeah, and uh, going back to the Suns, I mean, Jay Crowder shot 0 for 7 from 3 tonight. That's not going to happen in every game. You're not going to get that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, yeah, the, the Lakers need to need to improve drastically from 3. I mean, 27% isn't even remotely in the ballpark of what they need to get it done in this series. Um, yeah, I mean, that's just one of, one of about 15 things that we've pointed out today that the Lakers can improve on for Game 2. It really I think is we a need, long I, list. Hey, uh, Trev, I think we need to start petitioning for Ron to get over to Phoenix for this game, too, because, Ron, you were at that last Lakers game against the Warriors, and uh, I heard that you had a little talk with them somewhere between Uh, the third and the fourth quarter, which turned things around. Yeah, so we're going to need to send you to Phoenix so you can pep talk the guys and get us back in the the winning column here. Yeah, all the stories said, all all the the quotes after said it was Jared Dudley and Markeith Morris, but... They won't tell you. That, they won't tell you that it was me. Yeah, <laughs> that, that brought that lifted them up and brought them back. Well, it only, it right. only makes sense that we do give you credit because I remember all throughout that day we were just kept saying it's on Ron if we lose for whatever yeah. reason. Uh, you, you know, know I, it was on I, you. I felt I felt that way too. If I was going to accept blame for the loss, I had to accept credit for the win. So exactly, exactly. <laughs> I thought uh, I thought Ron, you did a nice job going in there and giving them that halftime pep pep talk there. Hopefully. That uh, that's something that you can do next game in game two. You can get in there and get the Lakers all fired up once again. I, I'm envisioning Ron. Uh, if you've ever seen the movie Miracle, the the Herb Brooks the the hockey game for the U.S. Yeah. against the Soviet Union, all that kind of stuff. I'm envisioning you going in and giving and giving that speech, right? Giving that speech yeah. speech that you know the who do you play for, right? Taking all these guys, this hodgepodge mix of guys, bringing them together, getting them yeah. fired up. You're going to come out here and shut them down because you can, right? That's going to be – that's Ron at, at half. Yeah, it was actually my direct quote. Yeah, I just <laughs> – I put it on a piece of paper and I just read off of it. Yeah, really – they, they had no idea. I love it. Uh, Callie Boy from YouTube said, when are we going to start calling Vogel out on his rotations? Well, you must have missed earlier in the show because we definitely did that. We went into no. that. Yeah. Um, the, big, the big thing the, – the really big thing – Andre Drummond cannot play 10 consecutive minutes no. ever again for the Lakers. Never again. Mm-hmm. I don't care if he signs a 10-year deal after this. Never again can he play 10 consecutive minutes in a game. It, it was so horrible to watch. Um, the Lakers, Frank Vogel taking timeout after timeout after timeout saying, we need to fix this, and then putting Andre Drummond right back onto the oh. floor. Just so disappointing to watch. That third quarter... I, I don't want to put all the blame on Vogel or on Drummond, but that third quarter, uh, probably one of the worst uh, coached quarters I've seen from Vogel uh, in his time with the Lakers. And again, I believe he will be better. I believe he's going to make adjustments. But that third quarter was particularly painful to watch. Yeah, I mean, it almost, I just want to say one thing. It almost felt like, and you know, I don't think this is necessarily true, but it almost felt like you know, when Drummond signed with the Lakers, there was something in the agreement that no matter what, he has to start. Like Frank was sticking to it, even if it was like, uh, you know what I mean? Like sometimes in sports and or even uh, in my line of work, you know, there's either politics or agreements or something beyond just face value of like, okay, I, I hear what Ron's saying, like he should come out of the game, but why didn't he? You know what I mean? Like that that is kind of a good question. I'm not saying that it's going to stay like that and and Fogel's going to feel obligated to play Drummond. But uh, I don't know. It just has me thinking. Yeah, I mean, obviously the coaching staff has to be seeing something that we're not in terms of Drummond being out there on the floor. Uh, but again, they did make big adjustments last year in the playoffs from game one to game two. Hopefully we'll see that next game. But let's let's finish with that. What do the Lakers need to do in order to win game two? What are, what are the keys? What has to change? And again, I know we spent the last 
55 minutes going over the, everything that they did poorly in this one. And obviously we're at 55 minutes because there was a lot that they did poorly. I think there's some things we haven't even touched upon yet, but what are the most important things that they need to do to get the win in game two? Ron? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I'm, you know, there's a lot, obviously we, we just said it, there's a lot that needs to be done. I think the two or three main things uh, that need to be done is Anthony Davis needs to come out an entirely different player. Um, he needs to, and, and so last season, um, the, the game one, he struggled. He went eight for 24 from the field in game two. He scored 31 points on 13 of 20. So I want that Anthony Davis. I want, I want a guy who I can rely on to hit a majority of his shots who can play with passion, who can play with anger. And I think the way DeAndre Ayton outplayed him today, I think he has the ability to do that. Um, that's the major thing. Anthony Davis needs to play better. Second, um, the Lakers, you know, we're, we're almost at a point here where like, hey, no more experimenting with the center rotation. Like, you, you get like maybe one more quarter of experimenting. And if it doesn't work, just play what you know works, which is Anthony Davis at the five, maybe some Marcus Saul. Maybe Montrez Harrell when uh, DeAndre Ayton is out. It's it's time to play what you know works. Um, and then the third thing is people just everyone beyond just Anthony Davis, everyone needs to play with that Alex Crusoe level heart. They need to play diving at loose balls. And I've seen all of these Lakers players do it at some point this season, but none of them did it today. I, I just it needs to happen, or else you know we're we're going to be talking here down 0-2 going back to L.A., and that just can't happen. I, I agree with all of that. Just one thing I want to point out. Everything you just said, Ron, I think was right on the point. The only other thing I would personally add, and we were just talking about this a couple minutes ago, but uh, if we get also playoff KCP rather than what we got tonight, I mean, I think that in addition to everything you just referred to, Ron, I think, I mean, yeah. that's the recipe. I mean, I, I think that's it. Unless, I mean, Trev, what do you think? Is there anything beyond what Ron said and beyond maybe KCP playing like KCP. Of the, I mean, let's not forget KCP of the last postseason, man, what he did in the bubble. If we get that version of KCP, that's huge. Cause that's, I mean, he is, I mean, I think he's the best shooter on our team, isn't he? He's the only guy shooting from outside the arc over 40%. So uh, um, outside of those things, anything else, what do you guys think? No, I think that, that you're right. I think you have to get a better shooting performance out of KCP. And that's not just in terms of his own, shot making it's just for spacing you need that um from him and so i think that's going to be important i also think of course anthony davis that's, that's probably the biggest thing you need anthony davis to be anthony davis like lebron said the lakers are the lakers when anthony davis is anthony davis you have to do that you've got to get a better performance out of anthony davis again that's that's probably number one but the other thing that that kills me the lakers are the bigger stronger team and they got crushed on the boards you can't do that you can't if you're going to be the bigger stronger team and get crushed on the boards, you might as well not be the bigger, stronger team. You might as well go small and do something else. You can't get crushed on the boards when you're bigger than your opponent. And the Lakers were most of this game, and they got crushed on the boards. Now, there were, I will say, in this game, there were a number of plays that were just funky, right? Just, just fluke situations where the ball bounces off a couple of guys and lands in, in DeAndre Ayton's lap. Well, that's an offensive board, right? Like, that happened a few times. But still, 16-10 to 10 on the offensive glass tonight, that can't happen. So the Lakers have got to have much better attention to detail in terms of boxing out on their own de on their own defensive glass and really being aggressive and pursuing their own offensive rebounds as well. So I think that's another key for me is the rebounding. If the Lakers don't have a rebounding edge against the Suns, that's a problem because that is a major advantage in this series for the Lakers. And if they flip that that advantage and give it over to the Suns, then you're looking at big trouble. Yeah, completely agree. I mean, they mm -hmm. the rebound is a huge problem overall. The Lakers should dominate. I mean, look, they have they have like three of the four tallest players in this series. I I don't understand what what could stop them uh, from winning on the boards. So that's just something that needs to happen. Yeah, uh, agreed, agreed. And I guess the last thing, be a bit more flexible with our rotations. Just did it. Frank Vogel just did it against Golden State. Changed things up, went with what was working, tried to go back to Schroeder, wasn't working for Schroeder. He said, hey, it's winter, go home time. Schroeder, you're sitting on the bench, right? Go with Alex Caruso. He was playing better 
Andre Drummond wasn't working. He said, up, oh, AD, you're the five. And look, and I saw this sentiment out there on Twitter too. And I know I'm ranting, but I saw this out there on Twitter. Non-Lakers fans saying this is because Anthony Davis doesn't want to play the five. No, Anthony Davis has said <laughs> it's playoff time. I will play center. You yeah. know I have no problem with that. So look, if this if the answer is AD at the five, then play AD at the five. I don't think it's going to hurt Andre Drummond's feelings. You're not going to hurt Gasol's feelings. You're not going to hurt Harold's feelings. We just did it in the last game. Got to do that here. Go with what works. Go with what's going to win. And the last thing I guess is there's no more feel out games. <laughs> you can't do that. You, we can't have any more uh, feel out games. Hopefully the Lakers got all the film they needed on the Suns and how the Suns offense can be effective and successful. And now Frank Vogel is going to spend the next couple of days breaking it down so they can get that win in game two. Oh boy, guys. Game two is going to be big. Yeah. yeah one, it's going to be stressful. One last thing going off of what you said, Trevor. I honestly don't care if it hurts the feelings of Andre Drummond and Marcus all and Montrez Harrell. Like it may very well hurt their feelings. And I and Frank Vogel, they just shouldn't care. Two of those guys are free agents at the end of this year. If they're, if they want to be angry, cool. They can walk at the end of the year, go win a championship. And AD at the five is historically what wins you championships. So let's do that. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Hopefully you got to vent a little bit. We did a little group therapy session. We went over what didn't go well for the Lakers today, which took quite a little while, but hopefully the Lakers will bounce back in game two. Make sure you guys do subscribe to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel and don't forget to turn on those notifications. Till next time, everybody. See ya and stay safe.